Hello and welcome to the Little Minds Big Ideas podcast, the weekly show with the earliest network. In this episode, we are going to be looking at independence in early years, what independence looks like for young children, how we can support independence, why it's so important, and yeah, just diving into that. All the ways we can make them independent little learners. Exactly. So... To start with, I think it's about understanding that independence as a skill is something that is lifelong. Yeah. And actually that when children learn independence, it's not all about just those things that we generically say children who are in preschool need to be independent. No. It's something that children learn from the from from being babies really and that carries them through is to li- it's a lifelong skill that they're going to have. Yeah. The foundations are laid aren't they exactly. in the baby room and then that sort of we talk about a lot but there's a snowball effect isn't there then across the rest of early years education exactly. and yeah. into into adulthood no definitely and i think it's like when children are independent and we can teach them those skills it's something that when they go into school and later life like you said those foundations have already been made yeah and there's lots of layers of independence isn't there there's there's a lot of what gets talked about when we talk about independence is often when they hit the twos and we talk about toileting. That often is the sort of the primary focus. Um, but there's lots of layers of independence. Emotional independence in a way, that's probably not yeah. normally the way you describe it, but it, it, that's a factor. There's educational independence, having the independence to go off and explore your own curiosity and follow that curiosity. There's social independence and, and that's always growing. You know, you even meet teenagers who are too scared to ring doctor's surgeries and book appointments or yeah. or to ring whoever else. So there's always that element of independence or I guess it's confidence as well that comes into it and, and yeah. that self-esteem and all those aspects that I'm sure we're going to get tucked into today. We will. So we're going to start with babies. Yep. I sometimes think that there's this misconception. Let me start that sentence again. There's a misconception that babies are not independent and don't make choices, Mm -hmm. which isn't true. No. Because even babies of youngest age make decisions. Yeah, their brain's always ticking. Exactly. And even though they're not saying, Ben, I don't like that. I don't want you to feed me that food. Yeah. They're doing, they're making noises, they're doing facial expressions, they are showing you that they don't like something. Yeah, just because they haven't harnessed the cognitive or speech skills doesn't mean they don't have a preference or an opinion. I mean, often the scientific studies that we've talked about, when we talked about um, speech not that long ago, and there was the study that showed they picked up on mother threes as opposed to normal speech. Yeah. Again, it's showing a preference. Yeah. The the brain, either it's stimulated because it's new and it's a new sensory and they're excited by it, or they have a preference to human being, caregiver, there's always something going on. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that actually children make a choice in the people around them, the food they're having, the play that they decide to engage in, because I know there's nine times, and I've said it before, there's certain babies, when you walk in a baby room, they just scream when they see me. Like, yeah. there's, there's no, I've never interacted with this child, I've never been in that room long enough for them to really make a bond with me, but they've made that decision that I don't want to go with, I don't want her to cuddle me, so I'm going to cry. Yeah. So that's the decision that they've made. Well, it's like when I walk into baby rooms as a male. So often, <laughs> so often I'll either get... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the polar opposite. I'll either get someone who's really intrigued, if I've not been in that baby room a lot, who will come over to me and, and, and want the attention, or I'll just get stares. And those stares, <laughs> if I then linger too much, turn into cries. <laughs> yes. I don't take it personally, but... No. 
something you have to learn, isn't it? That the baby doesn't hate me. They just don't know me. <laughs> and that's the it's, decision they've made. It's fascinating though, isn't it? How it, it's, it's males as opposed to females quite often. I mean, some females could, I'm sure, walk into a bedroom and get a similar um, response. response. <laughs> but nine times out of 10, if any of our maintenance teams within the company or anything like that walks into a room, they're like, oh my God, what is that? It's funny how they know. It's just it? because stereotypically in our industry, there's a lot of females. Mm. So, But it's funny how they just know. It's funny how they've got that inclination they immediately know the difference yeah because some women have um short hair and some men have long hair so it's not that that's doing it for no so it's just interesting how they pick up on it but that's what we're saying that babies even from a young age are making decisions and that's what's really important to give them choices so when they are getting a little bit older and they're sort of having cereals and things it's giving them a choice yeah would you like weetabix or would you like hoops or whatever it is Yeah, yeah giving them the choice to make the decision. That's a level of independence because it doesn't need to start, like you said, at toilet training. Independence comes from so such a young age using a spoon, but letting them know what a spoon is for because if we never show it to them, they'll never, yeah, they'll yeah. never know. And it's like caregiving routines as well. Let a baby try and wipe the nose. They'll be there fumbling with the tissue for probably oh, a few minutes everywhere. and they'll not achieve yeah. anything. But at least we're starting to put those principles in because... They'll eventually get it. And before you know it, if you just keep going, keep going, keep going, you'll embed that practice and they'll they'll adopt those skills at some point. Yeah. Rather than just waiting for them to hit preschool and then introducing them to it when they've got the motor skills, but they've then got no cognitive awareness of, of what you're asking them to do. It's not a proof process. It's not a routine no. that's been laid in place. And then um, educators will get frustrated because yep. a child in the preschool room hasn't got the independent skills that they need or he's not to continue with them. He wants to yep. go play. You wipe my nose because I want to go play. Yeah, it's quicker if you do it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, exactly. It's like shoes. It's like the shoes is always the big one. The, the, you can always see the child that mum puts the shoes on because you know this is a gal the house, which I get. Yeah. And then when they, you see them in, in an early years environment, all their friends go put the shoes on and they're sat there just looking at them crying. Because they don't know what to do. Yeah, because they don't know what to do. They're frustrated. They want to go out and play. They want to do this, this and this. But they've not yet, they've not learned and, and they've not got the interest in learning because actually mum will just do it for me. It was, yeah. It's quicker. Yeah. Um, we've kind of digressed to the older children, but moving Sorry. on to, no, that's okay. Moving on to toddlers. We all know in this industry that a toddler is probably one of the most strong-minded, independent little being that loves responsibility. I've never worked in a toddler room or a twos room where the children have not wanted to do everything. And the best way to engage them and keep them focused is to give them jobs. Yeah. yeah if yeah. you are asking them, they've made it, never the jobs they want to do, so it's never tidying up. No, of course not. But, but adults don't like tidying up. No. But if they don't think it's tidying up and it's a job and it's a responsibility to give them a bit more of a, a role, they love it. Yeah. So do you want to sweep the floor? yeah, I want to sweep the floor with the giant brush that's way too big for me and I'm just going to make more mess. <laughs> but because they feel like they're doing it, and I'm sure everyone that works in early years knows that toddlers are very, no, I'm going to do it by myself. Yeah. No, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. But... It's because they think about it, all their life, they've relied on others and yeah. they finally got these these the working limbs, they can use them, they can move around, they can communicate better. It's like a whole new freedom for them. It's like exactly. a teenager when they first get their, their car and they can first drive for the first time. It's a whole them. lease of life, <laughs> isn't it? But for a toddler, it's the same thing. They haven't got a new Ford, but they've got the ability to walk. We've got new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's um, bringing it in, though, and 
Again, it's about making choices. We all have been in a situation where a, it's cold outside, so we're putting coats on or we're going home, we need to put coats on or putting shoes on, whatever it may be. And the child, no, 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 no. But if you give them a choice and they feel that they've made the decision, they want to do it. Yeah, yeah. So it's either, okay, Emily will put the coat on or you put the coat on. Yeah. The end goal is the child will have the coat on, but they've made the decision, independently made the decision, whether I'm going to help them or if they want to do it by themselves. Yeah. Does that make sense? They got there in the end. Yeah. So they got there in the end and it's giving them that independence to make the choice. It's scaffolding independence, isn't it? Yeah. In a, in a way. I know we often talk about scaffolding learning, but it's sort of the same thing. It's providing them with the assistance up to a certain point. And then if they need it, you're there to reciprocate. So you, it's almost like if that child who can't put their shoes on, don't just put them on them. Let them struggle in a way. Give them the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And then provide assistance along the line. Don't just jump in. There's not, you can't have the expectation of, oh, I'm going to leave you and to put your shoes on your own because that's not fair. That child's just no, going to get never, upset. They're going to get they well. learn how to do and it. And they're not going to get there. But it's about helping them and scaffolding each step of the way until eventually they have got the ability. Exactly. And thinking of those sort of restrictions to independence, we've got, well, I've got two and you had one as well, didn't you? Yeah. You did. So I had being overprotected. Mm -hmm. So being bubble wrapped up, like you said, they're just everything's done for them and that they they've never had the opportunity to learn those independence skills because it's just been done. So that's gonna hinder yeah. the development of independence. And also on the flip side, it's the pressure of achieving things too early. Yeah. And do you know what? Both of them rely on good parent partnership as well. Yes. Because you've got to be doing the same thing at home and in nursery. Yeah. So it's it's those children that the expectation is too high that we know that children need to fail to learn, but the constant failure and the constant letting themselves down and feeling like, oh, I can't do it, didn't do it. We often use the word failure, and I do as well, but I think it's more disappointment. Disappointment, yeah. I think failure is right. hard to get. I don't think something's hard to get over. It seems quite a harsh word. I think disappointment yeah. is probably something in life that you do have to live with because you, you are disappointed at times. You don't always get the outcomes you want. Life doesn't quite work like that. It's helping them manage disappointment and that feeling. feeling. But it's, it's when children are pushed too far yeah. and it's constant disappointment, yeah. that's going to hinder the development of independence because they're not going to want to set themselves up to fail. And it goes back to what we just said with the scaffolding, doesn't it? You, yeah. You're not getting it right in terms of the challenge you're providing with that child. You know, if we look at it from a Vygotsky point of view, you're putting it way too far out their remit of... Exactly. Accessibility. Yeah. And what was yours for... Mine was a positive relationship, wasn't it? Yes. They need that emotional security they need to have that relationship with the caregivers in order to go and explore we talk a lot about this in terms of um having that emotional connection that support that sensitivity that achievement in order to allow them to explore their curiosity from a educational cognitive standpoint but it also is applicable to independence really you're not going to be independent if you're either scared of of like we talked about disappointment or failure or the repercussions of if you can't do something. And equally, if you don't feel confident, you've not got that self-esteem built in you, you're not going to then go and try and pursue something independently. You're going to rely on others all the time. Yeah, no, that's 100%. It's, um, it's having, and in the industry, having the knowledge of knowing that those strong relationships impact so many different yeah. areas of the child's sort of development. But we do know that children who are more self-sufficient are more likely to adapt in new situations. Yeah. So it's building those relationships to help them become more self-sufficient. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's absolutely. us. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the relationships are the premise of everything. We talked earlier about the foundations and that baby room yeah. really is about you want children to come out of your baby room really secure in their environment and really confident, happy babies because they know they've got that secure base and they've got that connection with the people around them, whether it be mum, dad, grandparents, carers. They've got that connection. They've got that security and then they can go on because the, the trickle-down effect of if they haven't got that and they come from uh, abusive backgrounds, adverse um, childhood experiences, the, the 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 snowball effect then that happens is really negative and you talk then about trauma and toxic stress and they never can then explore their environment in terms of having the confidence to be independent or having the ability to explore their curiosity because they're constantly worried and perceiving threat around them whether that threat is still there or it's not yeah. their perception their amygdala response is heightened and they're in that state of almost shock and stress so really obvious obviously that's what we want to avoid. Yes. But going the other way and building up that self-esteem and building up that confidence is a vital step for all baby rooms because then they can hit the toddlers. And that's not where we start exploring because that exploration does start in the baby room, finding their limbs, finding their bodies, yeah. building that. That obviously has to start in the baby room, but it gets heightened as, as, as we go through in, into the um, groups until eventually they become adults and scientists and whatever else. Might. Whatever they're going to be. Um, but we also have to accept that... Ooh, in the face that independent learners and independent learning is not going to happen overnight no it's something that we have to accept it's like you said with a child putting their shoes on you can't expect a child who's never been shown how to put shoes on just know how to put shoes on interesting when you said we were going to do um independence i wrote down six bullet points and sort of like areas i wanted to make sure we yeah. covered and actually point of one was routines Yes, because that's the couple down. Am I skipping ahead? <laughs> you are skipping right. ahead. <laughs> okay, I'll stay stumped for a while. Said ben the plan, but he's not read my plan. <laughs> Clearly, Sorry. gone on his own. Um, yeah, do you want to jump to routines? I think so because I think it sort of fits with where the conversation is right now. Okay, because I think routines are the pinnacle of yes. trying to embed independence. Because if you're changing your routine, you're chopping and changing constantly. It's really difficult for that children to pick up that independence because they don't know what's coming next. That's exactly what I was going to say. When you've got a solid routine and everybody knows what they're doing, adults and children yeah. alike, everyone knows what to expect. And if a child knows what to expect, they're more likely to have the confidence to take themselves off and say, I know what happens next. Or when I arrive at nursery, I know where I put my coat. Yeah. Because if so that child... That's what I'm going to do first. If that child in preschool knows for the first two hours of when they arrive, they've got free exploration of, of a certain area, certain room, and they know what resources are there, and there's some variation, of course, but then they're going to be way more willing to explore it independently and access it and carry on projects and have their own inquiry and curiosity because they know that what is there and what is expected of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's about educators making sure that those routines don't become a second guess, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And it's even the same with staff because staff can't be independent if they don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. You can't expect someone who's brand new into your early years environment to know your routine. Yeah, yeah. Because how would they? They've yeah. never been there before. And it's the same with the children. So I think it's making sure that everyone has the knowledge and the skills to be independent because your routine is so yeah. strong. Yeah, I agree. But not expecting everyone to just know it. No. And, and that doesn't mean you can't ever change your routine. Of course but not. But what I'd also say into this section is don't rush through the day. Yeah. Don't just try and get 
things done for the sake of getting things done to get to the next stage and miss out on learning opportunities and, and opportunities for independence. So what if you're 10, 15 minutes late with lunch? If you've got an opportunity there to sort of develop independence or learning or whatever the situation might be providing you, don't just get through it because you have to get through it. At the end of the day, we're here for the children. Yes, there are certain things we have to get done, whether it be toileting, sleeps, children leaving, children arriving. There's obviously aspects of the day that we have to achieve. But within that remit, you need to allow some level of flexibility because yeah. often routines and often in within your routines come opportunities to give independence for example if at the end of a meal time giving the child those just a few minutes to wipe their own face and do bits and pieces put cutlery away join in with the, the the rhythm and the routine of the day don't sacrifice that just to get to the next job and just yeah. to get done um and if you have to build in because you are tight on time and you do have to get certain jobs done if you have to build in those minutes of flexibility then build it in figure it out but I don't think the option is just tough. We don't have time to do it. Yeah, no. We've got to figure out, we've got to do better. We've got to figure it out elsewhere. Yeah, and it's having those, like you said, the flexibility and routines don't always go to plan. There's always things that go on where the routine's just a bit off and unfortunately we adapt and we make it the most normal we can for the children. But that day-to-day -day when a child arrives at your early year setting, it's about them knowing that I'm safe, I'm secure and I know what's, what is expected of me and what to expect in there. Yeah. And it's been this consistent with boundaries as well, because independence comes from boundaries, because if the children know what is the expectation and the limit, then they'll know how far they can go. Yeah. If you are in a, in a setting where you free flow and you have got access to outdoors, um, like a sheltered decking area, having those doors open, but the children know that you are still in side sound there's glass windows etc the doors are open whatever that may be mm -hmm. but they've got the independence to go and explore out there because they know the doors are open they're allowed yeah so it's having those expectations from everybody and keeping them consistent yeah yeah Does that makes sense and a lot of what we've focused on has been atypical children of course but if you know for neurodiverse children routines are even more important because they need that that consistency if you suddenly switch throughout the half halfway through the day or what you're doing or something happens and they're not expecting it, it can really put them under stress um, and it can have a really negative out, uh, um, aspect on the day for them. So I think that's another really vital thing to understand that when we're dealing with certain children, routines are are huge, not yeah. just for independence, but just for their well-being. Yeah, and I think um, I always say with children who maybe have additional needs and need that one-to-one -one support, etc., you should not rely on one person because that person may have holiday, yep. they may be sick. Everybody who cares for those children need to know their routine. And their routine might be different from the rest yeah. of the children in the room, but everyone must know because if, say, if I'm a child one-to-one -one and all they know is me and I'm the only person that they will come to, I'm on holiday, it's your turn, Ben. Yeah. They're not going to know who you are, what you don't know the routine of the child, and that is even... That's going to, like you say, cause stress yeah. and their well-being. They're not going to have a good day. Yeah. And then and it's going to snowball effect. And it's this time of year as well, Christmas time. Suddenly the room changes appearance. There's brighter colours everywhere. tinsel. People are wearing hats. Bright jumpers. It's, yeah. it's, it's a shift from the norm for the children. Um, and a lot of children will get it. Magical, Christmas, brilliant. But a lot of children as well will be like, mm, what is going on? Yeah. And I it's, think it's just bearing that in mind. Yeah, it's, it's adapting when needed to suit. Either, as we've said before, the individual yeah. child. Um, 
So we'll go back to the educators and what we have to do to understand that it doesn't happen overnight and to give children the skills of independence is encourage choices. Yeah. Encourage children to make that decision themselves and um, to problem solve. So sort of, hmm, what do you think we could do? Yeah. And your environment's massive for this. Yeah. As much as we focus on the role of the practitioner, your environment is such a crucial element from the sense of allowing them to have choice, responsibility, curiosity, inquiry. You need to have the resources set up, the opportunities for them, and things need to be available to them. They need to get their hands on stuff. At first, try and go down a path of giving them more responsibility. If they're not used to it, could provide you with some challenges and obstacles because things are everywhere, did it? But as children, like we say, get into the rhythm, get into the routine, start to understand. You put principles in place of tidying away where things belong eventually you'll get that. It's hard work at the yeah. start, but it's worth it. That's what I was hey. going to say to you. The Everything has to have a place <laughs> because if everything's got a place, there's more chance of successful independence because they know where they can go to get it and they know where it goes to put it away. Yeah. If you have pencils in a pot that are constantly moving around the place, yes, they can move them whilst playing and transport them, absolutely fine. But when they need to find that pot of pencils, where is it? Does it have a home? Are we putting it back where it belongs? And I think that is really important in the environment. But we also need to allow for transportation and following of yeah. schemas. Yeah. You can't allow children to be independent learners if you're putting a block no. before they've even started. And if you're not allowing children to follow their transporting schema or their enveloping schema, whatever it may be, you've already stunted that learning yeah, yeah. because they've not got the opportunity to be an independent learner because they're not allowed to be. Yeah, yeah. Is that what if if I stack all these blocks really high on this table? Yeah. Like, what what is what is going to happen? And to us, that's just our little Johnny's being naughty because he's doing this this and this. But in reality, that is fascinating. Like, what happens if you put sixty blocks and then it falls out? We all know it's going to go bang and gravity's going to do what it does. But a child at that it's going to hit someone on the head and but it's going <laughs> to. A child doesn't even understand gravity. You know, no. doesn't doesn't have a concept of what that is. As human beings, we don't truly actually understand gravity. We understand it on our planet, but we don't actually understand the deeper. Oh. Oh, sorry, I mean Here he goes. <laughs> no, but when you talk about black holes and all that aspect yeah, of it, yeah. we don't fully have an understanding of it. So to stop a child from following that curiosity because it doesn't suit our environment, some of what we're trying to protect the neatness of it, in reality, you'll stunt that, in, uh, that inquiry, that curiosity, which then maybe he will be the child who, when he becomes an adult who does figure out the deeper meanings of gravity and how it works. But if we stunt that curiosity at this stage, maybe we stunt it forever. Yeah. And allowing children to be independent learners right from babies is really important yeah. because what we do and what we allow children to do, like you've said, could have lifelong effects because yeah. you, if you stunt something that they are really interested in, they may never find that interest again. It yeah. might be gone. Um, so it's really important to make sure you're giving children the opportunity to be social, independent learners as well. There was a study I had to look at before I came on it. I can't. Can't remember who and, and what, but I briefly was looking through it and it was talking about, I think it was in the US, maybe it was in the UK, and it was talking about single parents and the effects of independence and, and the independent skills children demonstrate when they come from single parent homes. I think it was predominantly single parent mums it was looking mm -hmm. at. And it just showed how much on like markers of independence and skills they demonstrated there was such a higher skill level of the threshold for children that grew up in single parent homes um, than children who grew up in in um, both parents being in the in the household. And I think that goes to show that 
when children are from single parent homes, the parent probably relates to them as much as a friend, as, yeah. as, as, as a child. Does that make sense? They talk to them more and more as a yeah. friend because they, they, they also seek that socialness. So they, yeah. they kind of communicate with them in a slightly different way. I'm not saying in an appropriate friend sort of way, but do you know what yeah. I'm saying? The they, communication yeah, is always it's more there. Because there's only yeah. them two in the house, so they communicate naturally more as opposed to if if your spouse is in the house and you talk to them and the child was more secondary. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And I, it was showing, I didn't go deep, deep into it, but it was showing that element of independence being higher from single parent backgrounds. So I just found that interesting. Yeah, because when... When you think about, like, I came from, like, my mum was, I saw my dad and we went yeah. to his house and things, but... Technically, still single parent household. Technically, it was still a single parent household. And everyone used to say, and I remember growing up, they would say to her, oh, she doesn't stop talking. And that's probably because me, my mum, and my sister would constantly yeah. just and that's chat. And that's speech acquisition. But as you grow up, you probably, in single parent household, do have more responsibility quicker. <laughs> Uh, probably yeah. need to have independence quicker because there's less people in the household, there's less people to take care of jobs. So you probably do have to take take yeah. on that element of responsibility sooner. Yeah. Uh, whether the merits of that are good or bad, I can't say, but it was just an interesting from the study that came from that. Yeah. But everyone can't realise that I was the chatty child, can they? <laughs> Never. Anyway, moving on. Um, so we talked in last week's episode about social learning. Yeah. And I think that's really important when it comes to independence as well, because the observational learning that comes from being around others yeah. helps to build independence. If you've got a child who's moving into a preschool or moving into a preschool room, whatever that looks like for you, they will observe the children around them at mealtimes. They'll observe them tidying up. They'll, they'll observe everybody around them and it will give them those independent yeah. skills. Because we're getting down our remit of like self-efficacy <laughs> and yeah. self-esteem um, and seeing yourself as being worthwhile. And I think group-based projects and group activities like that is a really good way to foster that because you're showing that in front of a large group, not a large group, but you know what I mean? In front of yeah. groups and in front of others in a social environment that your opinion does matter and your contribution does matter and your value to the group as a whole is important. And trying to foster that and, and practitioners will know which children struggle with that and which children don't struggle with that. And it's understanding what triggers those children um, and how we can get the most out of them to build that self-efficacy, that self-esteem, that value that they see of themselves. And this is a really good opportunity. Yeah, exactly. A group-based group learning. It's learning the, the morals that go around it, yeah. the expectations, and it's all going to build children's confidence to be independent. Mm -hmm. Um and then sort of looking at the cognitive skills that are fostered through independence. When children can be independent, they're learning problem-solving skills, planning yeah. skills. Yeah. And it was quite interesting. I read something that said the reactions that we give through our gestures, facial expressions, verbal reactions, is going to help to make those neurological connections for a child. Because when they do something, our reaction is really prominent and it kind of clicks, yeah. if that makes sense. And um, children will recognise how they achieved that response. Mm -hmm. So child for the first time uses the toilet independently and gets this amazing response. So that connection is, oh, okay, so I got that positive reaction when I did this yeah. skill. And I think it's, it's us as educators recognising that our response to children as a reaction to their independence or lack of independence is important. Yeah, yeah, we're going, we're going down a number of paths here. One, 
first and foremost by congratulating them in that way, the, the brain is getting flooded with 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 with, with chemicals yeah. that are. Why do we always get flies on the podcast? Though? It's actually a wasp. I, I think it's because it's warm in here and they're looking for somewhere to live. So yeah, I think the, I think the area we're going here is a number of different avenues. Like first and foremost, by praising that child in that way, you're flooding the brain with with chemicals with. It's almost self-rewarding itself because if you get lump praise on you and and congratulations and all those elements, your brain is rewarded with chemicals like dopamine and things like that are flooding your brain. So immediately your brain works out, actually, this action has led to this really good feel factor. Yeah. Beautiful. And then there's also the observational element to it. So that child on its own observes and understands that by doing this, this, this has been the consequence. So obviously this action is a good action. And then there's other children around them as well that see this and perceive this as actually by doing this, by going to the party, by doing whatever the action has been, they've received that praise and that accolation and I want that as well. So then they learn in a way that by following that action, it will result in that positive. And I want that positive because there's a drive in all human beings to seek that sort of positive. Um, in the article that went up yesterday as well, talking about social learning, there was also a bit in it, what I forgot to talk about in the podcast, <laughs> which is all about mirror neurons. And that when, long story short, for a study looking at um, monkeys, yep. we quickly realised or, or we found what we saw as, as mirror neurons. Originally, we only had thought there was two types of cells being um, physical, and so um, motor neuron, and also sensory. But it also turns out there is a third type being mirror neurons and these mirror neurons react in the same way if you follow out an action as well as if you perceive an action so if you see something yawning is a really great typical one because yawning actually is a bit of a giveaway you see someone yawn if you said it and set me out <laughs> if you see someone yawn the same um, neuron sparks in your brain as if you yourself was yawning and quite often as a result you yawn. You didn't yawn. No, because it doesn't always work like that. If I went got a connect. If I went if I went and watched um England football team play football and I'm watching Saka on the wing, just because I've seen Saka play doesn't mean that I can jump on the pitch and perform skills in quite the same that. way. Have you tried? Yeah, I've seen some good football players in the flesh, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> Never mind. Um so yeah, so children will perceive that and also like I say, for mirror neurons they'll see other children performing actions and, and it'll have that knock-on effect. So, yeah, sorry to take us off on a tangent. And, the, okay. and the wasp has gone. <laughs> the wasp has gone. As if by magic. Yes. Um, through the power of editing, <laughs> the wasp has disappeared. Um, no wasps were harmed in this film. Thing. No, they weren't. It went out the door. It's been chewed. <laughs> I think, all in all, with independence, some of it is, some of it is embedded in practice and takes time, mm -hmm. but there are some things that you can do day-to-day -to, -day to help build independence skills. Yeah. Ultimately, independence is an absolute pain in the ass, but it's worth it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like everything oh, that comes yeah. into building a child's independence takes time, takes effort. It's not easy. Yeah. But it's our job and, it, and it's, under, it's fundamental for a child's progression and a child's development. There's, there's really three areas that you look at child development when you think about general over, over, overall well-being mm -hmm. so that their well-being is protected and safeguarding comes into that and positive relationships come into that and looking after the unique child and blah, 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 blah. You've then got education and cognitive skills, physical development, and then you've got independence. That's, I'm probably sure I've missed something out fundamental there, but those are the three elements. Then layered on the top of that, again, is nutrition because it affects all of it, sleep, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. So independence has a really, really pivotal role in, in, in what we're doing and how we're doing it. And it's 
probably the hardest one of the three of them, like caring for a child and being attentive. Yeah, it's fairly easy. Giving a baby cuddles and being there for it yeah. is a, a simple process. Educational, you some do it better than others and you can do it better than, and, and yeah, but ultimately providing children with opportunities to learn is, is quite a basic principle. Do it, But yeah. you can also do it better. There's scales to it. Yeah. Independence is always hard work. Teaching a child how to potty train is never going to be simple. Teaching a child how to be independent around dinner time or to care for themselves is always going to be a challenge. But it's uh It's, it's the one that's worth it. Worth it. Yeah. Um, so just a few things you can do day to day just to throw some bits out there. Mealtime self-serving. Yep. Isn't it takes time. It gets messy. Yep. Food everywhere. Prolongs things. It prolongs the, the meal time, yep. but it gives them a skill. Um tidying up. Yep. And while you're building that tidying up skill, tidy up 10, 15, 20 minutes earlier than you need to. Yeah. yeah. Because don't rush with five minutes until you think, oh God, we've got to tidy up. Always makes me think about Montessori when people talk about tidying up. Yeah. It's elements of Montessori. Yeah. The importance of being disciplined is the word that I often don't like because the idea of discipline, I think of like some really horrible teacher yeah. that came. <laughs> but it, but it, 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 discipline is not a bad thing, actually. Discipline is a, is a... No, but when I say tidying up for independence, I mean sort of giving them, giving them the independence of, come on, where does it belong? Yeah. Let's let's do it. So that's another way. Um, the resources and the activities that you have yep. can allow independence, open-ended mm. resources, um, an arts and crafts area that is fully accessible, give children the independence to make what what they want, how they want. Yep. Um, for us as the adults, it's allowing decision-makings. It's going to take longer, but giving the child time to think about the response that they want to give, make them have that independent choice. Yep. Um, reflective practice, reflecting on what you do, because if you can reflect on a day, a week, whatever that looks like, what went well and what didn't go well and what opportunities for independence did we allow mm. and what opportunities for independence did we shut down? Yep. Being reflective and working with your team to think, okay, could we have done this better what could have gone better for us today or for this child whatever that might look like i do this every podcast don't i, I give you a list of things to work on and he does yes and not played with my toggles today sorry everybody um but it is reflecting on the independence that you yeah. give for children and then finally it's sharing the so just go back on that one reflective practice also Give children opportunity to reflect. Yes. That's a really, re something we actually all probably don't do well enough across the board. Having the opportunity to think about what you've done, why you've done it, what went well, what didn't go well. There's so much learning involved in that. So if you are setting children projects, um, tasks to do and, and allowing them to follow their inquiry, then challenge them to consider what they've done, why they've done it, was it a success? And I don't, it doesn't need to be arduous. There doesn't need to have to be forms involved. It I doesn't need to create to a PowerPoint but, presentation <laughs> to reflect and show the rest of the team. I need a SWOT analysis <laughs> by next Thursday. No, but it's, it, Could you imagine? it's a really good way of actually getting the child to think further about what they've been doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and considering how they could do things better next time. So then when they do come in next time, hopefully that's fresh in their mind and they're going to trial it and you're constantly right, teasing again. that thought out of them. Yeah. And then my last one was sharing the why with parents. Yeah. Telling your parents why it's so important that their child has a little bit of independence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why letting go isn't 
the worst thing yeah. for them. Yeah. Because it's a huge thing. We talked about this with Risky Play, didn't we? Yeah. It's telling the parents and educating them as to why they need these independent skills. They don't want a 32-year-old still living in the house who can't wash their own clothes because they've never learned the independent skills, do they? Everyone's dreaming. I know. Well, might be. They want a child that's going to thrive and be successful, et cetera, et cetera, whatever that looks like for their child. So when... Maybe they don't. Maybe they do want the 30-year-old living at home. Maybe, and that's fine. That's what they want, but... They'd still like them to learn the skill of being able to wash their own clothes. Yeah. Regardless of, we talked earlier about children um, who had maybe additional needs. Them learning independence is so, so important yeah. because independence for everybody looks different. But if you have not given the child the opportunity to learn those independent skills, now maybe they are a 30-year-old living at home and you do the washing for them. That might be your choice, but have they learned that skill? There are other probably executive function skills involved underlying here what we've probably not broached i.e if we're talking about somebody and we're talking about independence and they live at home still when they're 30 the skills they've probably lost there along the way or not gained probably comes to more intrinsic things like motivation like internal self-motivation because yeah. that's something that's huge and it's the ways we build motivation it's, it's the ways we build how do we produce motivated individuals? And in early years, what's our role? How does that work? What does that look like? A lot of that intrinsic motivation is often dealt with in terms of social. Yeah. So when you're in social environments, we sort of briefly touched upon this, but not a lot. When you're in social environments, motivation is more, it's, it's heightened, the sanity of it is higher because you've got that perception of people being around you. Do you know what I mean? You are more motivated to either, I don't know if it's competitiveness what was the previous day? Praise. Well. Praise, you're searching for that praise. So there's all these elements that drive motivation and it's probably different in the individual. Individuals yeah. drive in different ways. I'm highly competitive. I'm a, Are you? <laughs> so like if there's a social element to it, I'll want to do my best to improve myself. And everybody will have different elements to them. And I think once you become an adult, you sort of know. But I think there is an element there of driving that motivation. How do we develop motivation? Well, independence is probably a really good vehicle to do it because... If you are independent, you're probably more motivated to do something. Whereas actually, mum always put your shoes on for you. And then that trickles into mum always does this for you. Or so or your care always does this for you, this for you, this for you. You get handed things, you become more lazy because you don't have to go do it for yourself. Exactly. It's like going down the old hunter-gatherer thought. When a, when a, when a hunter-gatherer had to go and then kill an animal or else they're not going to eat, had to go collect firewood. Otherwise, you didn't have many people just sat back thinking... Because if they did that, they'll probably die. Do you know what I mean? Like that was the reality of the world they lived in. Yeah. Whereas if you always get things handed on a plate to you, you're going to be less motivated. And I, that does carry over into adulthood. I'm sure there are some examples where little Timmy gets everything handed to him as a three, four-year-old and then something... Now he's Elon Musk. And then something... <laughs> but they, do you know what I mean? Then something trips and yeah. I'm sure there are examples of that. But there must be a pattern of if that's the behaviour they demonstrate in early years, that's going to carry on to when they hit primary school, that's going to hit on to secondary school... And by that point, it's embedded so deeply. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. So I think it's helping parents understand that. Yeah. And I think there's other Why? factors probably we haven't explored yeah. similar to motivation, more cognitive factors that yeah, are there. Yeah, probably. probably. If um, you can think of them, comment. Yeah, let us know. Um, so yeah, that was kind of independence in a nutshell, I think. I think for me, it is allowing children to just let, let, them, let them do it. Just yeah. let them have a go. Um, I mean, when you talk about independence, it's one of the one things that is actually completely controlled by us. professionals and parents yeah. because it, we're the ones shackling them or not shackling them. 
some children will naturally sort of grab independence a bit more than others. Maybe because they get it more at home and then they come to nursery and you're like, oh, bloody hell. But in the end of the day, we've got, and you've got to start young. Don't be scared to start introducing independence into the baby room. No. As long as you're not putting them into scenarios where they could hurt themselves. Yeah, we risk assessing things. Let Let them be challenged and let them get over it and let them figure out ways of adding independence. Yes, I was in... um, Let them wipe their own nose. I was in a baby room recently with a, um, it was a tiny baby, I'm not sure how old they were, but he was um, rolling over and his arm was stuck and the educator was going, come on, you've got to move your arm. Every time if he rolled over and she moved his arm for him, he will never learn. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he wasn't, he was getting very cross. You could see he was getting very, very cross. But he persisted and she let him do it. She let him. She was there. She was coached him through the whole thing. But it was lovely to see that rather than just to make him stop crying and put him in the position he wanted to be in, he had to get over that hurdle. He was physically capable. He's done it before. He can do it. He just didn't want to that day. But actually she said, no, come on. You know what to do. Smooth you out. <laughs> and, and that's a physical example. There's emotional examples as well. So we haven't actually talked about emotional coaching yet, but emotional coaching is a great tool that not in the in the situation of if a child showing upset, if they become deregulated, obviously bring them back down. Let's get them yeah. to a position where they're not hysterical. But then in that moment, there's a great opportunity for emotional coaching to show a child and provide them with that independence of being able to self-regulate through co-regulation, explaining sort of what's gone wrong, it's okay to feel this way, this behaviour might not be acceptable, but da, 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 and you take them through whatever the situation scenario is. Yeah. Again, a great way to give independence because co-regulation equals self-regulation eventually. They get there eventually. And self-regulation is a form of independence as well. It is, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But we will talk all about self-regulation and independ- and with independence in another episode. I'm sure we've got... Sure. We've got a co-regulation. We've got a whole year of podcast planning to do for next year, so I'm sure we can come up with some Any ideas? Yeah, let's to be fair, if there is anything people do want to hear us talk about, um, let us know. Let's and, put our two pence in. And I'm sure it will come to the forefront at some stage. Yes, it will. Um, so that is us this week. Us, yes. Getting closer to Christmas. We are with the Christmas special. Do you feel festive yet? Because you keep telling me you don't feel festive. Not particularly. It's making me feel unfestive. I am usually the most festive person I know, but this year I don't know what it is. Not feeling it. No. We've got a Wait, Christmas tree up. We've done it all. We've done it all. Yeah, we went to the Christmas tree farm, saw a reindeer. We're going to a light show next week. Going to a light show. This week when this comes out, Wednesday. It will be, yeah. But I'll get there. I've got my sprout socks on today. You wear them, so, yeah. They're not that special when you wear them in July. Um, I'll get there. Thank you. Independently, I'll make the decision to be Christmas Day to get festive. <laughs> it will probably be Friday, the twenty second of December. When we close everything down. When everything's closed down and I can enjoy and relax. No, is that right? That's fine. Thank you for sharing that with the world. That I don't feel very festive this year. <laughs> really appreciate it. <laughs> Normally, I am. Normally, okay. I'm really festive. The, the Grinch this year. We've got puppy. Yeah. I think she's raised my stress levels this year. Raised everyone's stress levels this year. So I think I'm just ready for January <laughs> when she'll nearly be one and we can, she'll be more independent. It's not her independence I worry about. We've gone off on a we have. tangent. I think we need to wrap this up. Of dogs. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, like we said, any topics that you want to hear, let us know. Leave us a comment, drop us a message. We're on all the social media platforms. Not, I don't think we're on Twitter. Okay. It's a bold claim you just made. I think you just lied. Oh, no. 
We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We are on threads, but... I've never been on that. I don't know what that is. It's a bit dead, isn't it? So we're on the three. You can find us. We're always around. So drop us a message. Let us know. And um, we will see you in the next one. We will indeed. Thank you so much for listening. All right. Bye. Bye.